Acts chapter 4 and verse number 16. If you have it, say praise the Lord. Amen. That should have been everybody because it's on the screen, right? Saying, what shall we do with, to these men? Speaking of Peter and John, they were trying to figure out what was going on and, and uh, they were being used and they learned and they, they understood that something wasn't quite normal about these gentlemen. And they said, what shall we do to these men for, in, for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them as manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. We really can't explain what's happening, but it's undeniable because words got out. We cannot deny it, but that it's spread no further among the people. Now, we don't like what's happened, but we can live with it as long as it doesn't go any further. As long as it doesn't spread. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. That they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. Amen. They were... They perceived that they were unlearned and they were ignorant. It didn't mean they were stupid. It just mean, you know, that they were talking about things that were over their pay grade. In other words, they knew they were learned. They didn't, this wasn't just something they picked up. Something was happening in their life. Can I tell you what it was? The Holy Ghost had taken over. The Holy Ghost had given them boldness and they were sharing the gospel everywhere. Let me tell you, that's what happens when you get the Holy Ghost fire burning in your heart. You're going to want to tell everybody you meet about what God has done for you. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that fire here a little bit this morning. Amen. I want to title my message. It's a little, a little, little different here today. And I want you to think this is going to be a kumbaya kind of soft thing going when you look at my title. But I, I want to preach to you just for a little bit because, you know, we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost was never meant to be just for you. The Bible says it's, it's unto you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say it's unto you. But then it says it's unto your children. And to all them that are far off. Everybody point outside the wall of the church. To all them that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God. In other words, the Holy Ghost was never meant to be just for you. We've got to share this great gift. So I want to preach to you on the subject sharing is caring. (laughs) Look at your neighbor. Look at somebody close and say sharing is caring. If we care... We're going to share it. If the Holy Ghost has transformed your life, you can't help but to tell people about it. Can I tell you, I think we've overcomplicated this witnessing thing. If God has done something extraordinary in your life, all God's wanting you to do is tell other people about what he's done. You don't have to save them. God's going to do the saving But the word of your testimony is going to bring people to the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. It all began with an infectious smile, perhaps an attitude, a teaching. The lifestyle of one man. This man, he was named Jesus. He gained notoriety from the time he was thrust upon the scene at 30 years of age when he started his earthly ministry until his timely death just three and a half years later. I want you to understand at 33, at 33 years of age until his death, his ministry was only a little over three years. I need to remind you this morning that all that was accomplished in those three short years. Many followed him, but only a few were close enough to catch his vision. By the time he died, only 12 men had truly bought into this mission. Yeah, there were others that hung around to hear what he had to say, but there were 12 that were close, 12 that were commissioned, 12 that had bought into what God wanted to happen. And shortly after, just 15, 
50 days. The crowd had grown from 12 to 120. And in one day's time, it had grown from 120 to 3,000 more souls were added to the church. And then within days, the Bible says that 5,000 more caught this Holy Ghost thing that roared out of the upper room in Jerusalem. I want to I want to back up here and I just I want to go through that one more time. He died and within within 50 days it went from 12 to 20 and uh, 120 and then in one day from 120 to 3000 and then a couple of days later it went to 5000. Can I tell you just over 50 days it went from 12 to 5000. How does that happen? Because God has so designed this Holy Ghost thing to be spread from one person to another. It was upon this occasion that the leaders got together in our scripture text and they tried to find some way to stop the spreading of this glorious gospel. They knew that it was infectious, but they, 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 they but, but nothing could stop this, this Holy Ghost power from spreading that had been unleashed upon the world. Don't ever forget, sometimes we can preach about the disciples as if there was just a moment in time where God chose to use men great. And the supernatural was only for that time frame. Can I tell you the Bible says that greater works than these shall ye do. Can I tell you that the same Holy Ghost that that was inside of Peter and the disciples is the very same Holy Ghost power that you have living inside of you today. Come on somebody, you need to understand that same power that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, that, that power that anointing that got on Peter as he stood up and said, this is that which was proclaimed, it was prophesied, that was spoken by the prophet Joel. We say, how can he do that? He was full of the Holy Ghost. And the same Holy Ghost that was inside of Peter is living inside of you. Not a mini-me version, not a watered-down version, not, not a version that's weak and anemic, but the very same power. The power that Peter had when they walked by the affirmed and the people had faith in the very shadow of Peter caused them to receive their healing. You've got the very same power. You've got the very same power. Think about that for a moment. What had happened to humanity on the day of Pentecost happens at your church every time somebody is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Has it gotten so routine and so old hat that we've lost the wonder of what happens when God takes control of somebody's tongue and they begin to speak in another tongue in another language and are baptized with the Holy Ghost? Ghost. The same way it happened on the day of Pentecost. It happens the same way every time somebody repents and God fills them in this altar. It's not another Holy Ghost. It's not another form. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same power. And if you have never received this Holy Ghost power, you can get it today. The Bible, Peter said, if you'll just repent of your sins, if you'll just do an about face, and you'll get baptized in the name of Jesus for the washing away, the remission of those sins, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He went on to say, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. You can have it today. You're looking at a group of believers that their life has been radically changed after the Holy Ghost came upon us. The word of God says ye shall receive power after which the Holy Ghost comes on you. Can I tell you we've got a power working in our life. I'm able to overcome things I couldn't overcome by myself. I'm able to stand strong against things I've never been able to stand against before. When the Holy Ghost started working in my life. The rules changed. Jesus came on board and I've been an overcomer ever since. The rulers and the religious people have tried to snuff it out.
They've tried to stop this gospel from spreading with fear and persecution, but they found that it's much like poison ivy. The more they tried to scratch it out, the more it spread. They thought they had it under control when they began vaccinating or inoculating people with a form of godliness, with rituals and trinkets and idols and their traditions of men. Their only hope has been to try to contain it. And while there have been seasons that it looked like their efforts were paying off, there's always been an outbreak of the Holy Ghost in epidemic proportions. Like on the day of Pentecost and like at the turn of the century on Azusa Street, that one outpouring of the Holy Ghost negated all the work by the naysayers. They may not be able to explain it, but it is undeniable. When the Holy Ghost comes on someone, you will speak in a heavenly language. This gospel has reached around the world because God designed the Holy Ghost to be infectious by design. There is an agent inside of the Holy Ghost. It's God working inside of us. It has been so designed to cause such a difference in our life that other people take notice of what's happening. Can I tell you what infectious defined means? Infectious means suggest the pleasantly irresistible quality of something. In other words, there's an irresistible quality that makes something infectious. There is a quality about the Holy Ghost that's working in your life that should make it infectious. When you go to work, when you go to Walmart, no matter where you go, the Holy Ghost inside of you should cause other people to be attracted to what you what, what you have. Another word that can define the spreading of this Holy Ghost is the word contagious. It means tending to spread from person to person. It emphasizes the rapidity with which something spreads. Child of God, can I tell you, this Holy Ghost has not been designed for you to keep to yourself. If you got the Holy Ghost and the fire in your life, it will be infectious. You will make a difference in the lives that are around you. If you went through 2018 and you didn't make a difference in somebody else's life, can I tell you, you need to get more of the fire you need to get more of the Holy Ghost you should be making a difference if you've got the fire You see, the Christian faith has always been uh, uh, been more caught than taught. You can teach it to your blue in the face, and I'll tell people, teach that Bible study in their living room. Teach that Bible study in a classroom, but you've got to do everything you can do to get them in the Spirit of God. Invite them to the house of God, because four Bible studies trying to explain it sometimes doesn't quite get it done, but just one moment in the presence of God where the glory is being poured out. I've had people tell me, I've a Bible study say you know I'm going to pray about it and, and I'm going I'm, I'm to let it work on me a little bit and then they come to church and just one moment in God's presence they say I see it I know what you're talking about I want this Holy Ghost I want this Holy Ghost it's always meant to be more caught than taught. In other words, they have to feel it. It's not just meant to be heard. It's meant to be felt. It's meant to be passed from one person to another. Brother Griffiths, how are we going to evangelize this city? Each one reach one. We're going to evangelize the city because the Holy Ghost is alive in you and it should cause you to have an effect on the people that are around you. You see, authentic Christian faith, it is infectious by nature. God uses infectious believers to to touch other people around us with the profound truth of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. There is a reason why this apostolic message has circumvented the world because nothing is more infectious than example. Let me explain it to you. When someone gets changed by the power of God and they walk differently, they talk differently, they act differently, they dress differently, you become a living building board for the kingdom of God. Brother uh, um, Lampkin preached last week. Didn't they do a wonderful job? Brother Lampkin, they did a fantastic job. 
One of our young men, I don't see him, he's in here earlier, I don't see him right now, but oh, there he is, did a fantastic job. Brother Lampkin was saying that you might be surprised if you knew him before the Lord got a hold of him because he was a Marine through and through, and he had Marine language. Now, some of you probably, what does that mean? Well, you know, you ever heard curse like a sailor? I'm sure that's what he was talking about. They didn't even know why they're cussing. They just cussing because if you're a Marine, you just got to cuss, right? But he said after he got the Holy Ghost, nobody had to tell him to not cuss. Nobody had to tell him to try to act a little different. It was the Holy Ghost working inside of him. And I guarantee you, everybody around Ross Lampkin knew that something happened to Ross Lampkin. When the demoniac got healed in Gatterie, that they said, man, this guy was naked. He was out of his mind. And now he's going through the city and everybody's scared of him because he's clothed and he's in his right mind. What happened? He got touched by the Lord and he got delivered. Let me tell you, when God touches you and when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, there should be a marked change in your life. We're going to walk different. We're going to talk different. We're going to act different. We're going to dress more modestly. You become a living billboard. But before you ever open your mouth, you're already testifying about the goodness and about the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. Before you ever invite him to church, the way that you act and the Holy Ghost, the anointing, that power that God has put on your life is already teaching them and preaching them one of the greatest sermons that they'll ever see and hear, and that is the sermon of a radically changed life it was on the day of Pentecost that this Holy Ghost was poured out the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Can I tell you, that's the same way it falls today. The Holy Ghost, you will get the utterance of the Holy Ghost and you will speak in a new tongue. I can't tell you how to speak in that new tongue. I, I can't prep the motor. I, I, I can't get you to say la la. But when the Holy Ghost begins to move and you feel that unction and when we lay hands on you as you begin to worship the Lord, you're going to get filled. The Lord's going to take over your tongue and you're going to be speaking and saying things you never spoke before. It's the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost being born and conceived in your life. The Bible says they were amazed and they were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth these men that are speaking in tongues? Others mocking said these men are full of new wine but Peter standing up with the eleven proclaimed, come on fellas these men are not drunk as ye suppose seeing it is but as the third hour of the day. You're misjudging them but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And those men that came out of that room, evidently, they must have been staggering a little bit. They were full of the Holy Ghost. They had to have been staggering and laughing and having a good time because they said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter said, no, 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 no. This is that. This is the Holy Ghost. They got it. They got it. Can I tell you? You should know a difference when you get it. I can't ever give somebody the Holy Ghost. I won't tell them you spoke in tongues. But what I do is I ask them, did you feel the Holy Ghost? Did you speak? Because you should never have to convince anybody they got the Holy Ghost. It should be an undeniable characteristic. I got it. And on the day of Pentecost, they got it. We used to sing the old song that went like this. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. There's just something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I've got it. Here's the best part about that song. It went to another verse. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. There's just something about the power of the Holy Ghost. But you can have it. Oh, you can have it. Can I tell you this morning that you can walk out of here with the best thing that could ever happen to you, being full of the Holy Ghost on the first Sunday of 2019. And as you're sitting down, let me ask you, do you have it? Do you really have it? Now, let me tell you what. Now, I, you know, I, I don't believe that a person receives the Holy Ghost, they're going to speak in, speak in tongues just one time their whole life. I, I just, I don't believe that. I don't believe, I, I've, I've been around people, so I got the Holy Ghost in 1970, I ain't spoken tongues since. You in trouble. The first time you receive the Holy Ghost should not be the only time that you should speak in tongues. Amen? 
So what I'm asking, I, just, I believe I believe every time we come together, you should make it a personal challenge. Before the lights are turned off, I'm going to get renewed in the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to speak in tongues before I leave. Brother, Brother Griffiths, is that scripture? No, it ain't scripture, but what I'm telling you, it's, it, it's something good to live by. I'm not going to go too long without me speaking in tongues and making sure the Holy Ghost is alive and well in me. So do you have it? Brother Griffiths, how, how do I know that I, I have it? Well, you'll speak in other tongues. That's the first thing. And then you'll get joy. You'll get joy this world cannot give and this world cannot take away. You should have joy. People around you at, at the job and in business or whatever, no matter in school, no matter where you at, they should see that you have a joy that nobody else has. Because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. You'll get joy. The world cannot give it and the world cannot take it away. You'll be able to overcome things and get victory over things that you've never been able to get victory over before. And this is, this is my favorite part of it. The Bible says he's given you the power of the Holy Ghost, not just to overcome the devil, but a power to be a witness. So it'll give you joy. It'll give you victory. It'll give you deliverance. But in the words of the young, old song that says, it makes you love everybody. Give me that old time religion. You know what that song is saying? Give me a original religion that's red hot, apostolic on fire. Give me that old time religion. What that song is saying? Give me Acts 2.38. Give me that old time religion. And it says it will make you love everybody. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you're going to love the lost. You're going to love the lost. Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you have it? Do you love the lost? Do you have it? Does it give you compassion? Do you have it? Does it give, make you show mercy to those that are less fortunate? Do you have it? Much like an infectious disease, the message of Pentecost spread like wildfire throughout the world. But it's still true. The things that prevent the diseases of the world from spreading will also prevent the spreading of this glorious gospel. Let me tell you, if you're, not, if you're trying to not spread a disease, if you're, if you're trying to keep, uh, keep things uh, from becoming viral or epidemic, uh, if you want to stop a disease from spreading, you're going to have to keep your surroundings really clean. You're going to have to wash your hands. You're going to have to stay away from sick people. You're going to have to stay away from the infirmed at all costs. But can I tell you that's counterculture of what God's asked the church to do? If you want to stop a disease from spreading, you better, you better have you some hand sanitizer everywhere you go. Let me tell you, what, what you think guests would think if at, we had a table next to every greeter when they came in and they say, God bless you. It's so good to see you here today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> it's so good to have your family here today. God bless you. Yes, we look forward to seeing you back next week. They would think we're crazy. They were thinking that we wouldn't want to get our hands dirty. Perhaps uh, we'll catch something. If you're trying to get a disease to stop spreading, then you got to stop being around sick folk. Then you got to stop being around the infirmed. But that's exactly why I believe there are too many churches uh, that aren't having anybody receive the Holy Ghost. It's because they stop touching people. They aren't trying to make a difference in somebody else's life. And what the devil has tried and is exceeding in far too many of our churches is he's keeping us away from sick folk. Instead of the world being our target, we've made them our enemy. Can I tell you, we're trying to reach the world. We're not cursing the darkness. We're trying to turn the light on. Too many churches are keeping their folk from getting their hands dirty with the lost, keeping us from getting dirty hands with the sick and the lost. And if, and if he, the enemy can keep the church from getting outside the four walls, then they can prevent the message of Acts 2.38 from ever spreading. But in 2019, more than ever before, Calvary Apostolic Church needs to rededicate ourselves and say, we're not going to hide it under a bushel. No, we're going to let our light shine before men we're not going to isolate ourselves isolation is another way to prevent the spread of D's 
uh, the spread of disease, TB and leper colonies. Um, used to be the norm. You know, there was a, a leper, colony, leper colony, I believe, the only one in the States is down in Louisiana. These TB and leper colonies, that used to be the norm. The idea is, uh, is to keep the disease isolated so that it could not spread. And, uh, you know, children with chicken pox, uh, they can't play with well children without someone spreading the disease. Uh, but far too often, the church becomes so inward focus, uh, focused and it loses its true identity and purpose. Uh, and we end up isolating ourselves from the, we're going to hold the fort. Uh, we're going to hang on till Jesus, oh, we're going to barely make it, oh. I mean, if he doesn't come back, the very elect, we're going to slide through. We don't have to, you know, we start bringing people in here and bussing people in here and we start doing this and that. You know, they're going to bring all sorts of things with them. Can I tell you that the gospel is not going to spread unless we start touching the sick, unless we start touching the lost in our community. We cannot isolate ourselves. The Holy Ghost is designed to insulate us, not to isolate us. I said it's designed to insulate us and not isolate us. If you got the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't be worried about the homosexual coming to our church. You shouldn't be worried about the promiscuous. You shouldn't be worried about the adulterer. You shouldn't be worried about the drug addict. If you got the Holy Ghost, you're going to be okay. And just maybe what you got will get on them and make a difference in their life. We cannot isolate ourselves. Another way to prevent the spreading of diseases is vaccination or immunization. Actually, with this procedure, you're given a, a mild case of the actual disease in order to fight off a full-blown case. In other words, we're going to give you just enough of it that you don't get the full deal, but you get just a taste of it, and it'll, it'll keep you from getting the full deal. See, some folks have gotten just enough of the Holy Ghost. You've gotten just enough of an experience. But because you've settled for religion, you've become inoculized. You, you've become uh, uh, immune from getting the real thing. We can sit on a pew for years and never invite somebody to church. You've got a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. If you got the Holy Ghost, it's going to cause you to make a difference in the lives of the people that are around you. Brother Gibbs, how do I know if I'm immune? If I'm immune to, how do I know what's happened? Do I just, have I caught just a little bit of it? Let me tell you what the symptoms are of those that have been inoculated with religion so they don't give, they're ankle deep. They haven't gone in shoulder deep in this thing. Let me tell you, the symptoms are having a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof. You know, you look the part when you come to church, but you don't live for God Monday through Saturday. You can worship on Sunday and you can look the part, but you watch things you shouldn't watch. You go to places you shouldn't go. You make choices and decisions. God's not affecting the way you live every single day because the Holy Ghost is not real. You're just living off an emotional high that somebody else brought because they've been praying and fasting for a move of God. You've just been inoculated with religion. You're living off of somebody else's high, but on Monday through Saturday, you don't have any power. You don't have any power. It also includes uh, some of the symptoms, but not limited to a fear of commitment. Uh, if, you know, if you haven't caught the Holy Ghost full-blown, you're going to be afraid of commitment. Uh, you're going to have an indifference to worship. Uh, there's going to be an absence of prayer. Like, I'm telling you what the spiritual doctor looks for for somebody that's been inoculated with religion and don't have the true Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm looking for commitment uh, there or lack of. An indifference to worship. Uh, an absence of prayer life. Uh, when the prayer meeting is called, it's should be the most well attended service that Calvary has. If you think prayer service is a night off, you don't have the Holy Ghost. You've been inoculated with religion. You've got just enough. Sit back down. Constant complaining. 
How do I know that I've been inoculated? Well, all you do is complain. You offer the problems, but no remedy, no solution. You're, you're not a remedy to the problem. You're just, uh, you're just a part of the problem. Spiritually cold, cold, an uncontrolled appetite for the things of this world. No desire to share the gospel. I could go on and on and on. My attempt is not to be negative here today. My attempt is to kind of rattle your cage just a little bit. Can I tell you the good news is, is that you don't have to go into 2019 being inoculated by religion. Can I tell you that Dr. Jesus is in the house today and you can get the real thing. All you got to do is come to this altar, repent of your sins and let him baptize you and let him baptize you again so you can get the Holy Ghost and fire all over. And once you get the Holy Ghost and fire, everything changes. Everything changes. Now, I can't tell how long I've been something. I don't know how long I've been preaching. The clock's not up. Something must be happening. But uh, I'll just keep preaching. Is that okay? I heard someone say that's all right, and that's all right with me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> once you get the Holy Ghost and fire, it changes everything. And you need a fresh dose of the Holy Brother Hurst used to say, you know, somebody comes to me and they're hurting. They said, they just need the Holy Ghost. He said, the Holy Ghost can do for them more than an hour of visiting with me. You know, they want me to listen and whatever. And, 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 and that's what pastors do. We listen and, and, and commiserize. And we're going to help you find remedies and help you walk out of it. But he said, brother, he'd tell us young men, you know, the best thing they need to do, we got to get them in the Holy Ghost. And they got to get a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost changes perspective. The Holy Ghost changes everything. He would say, you don't need the evangelist to lay hands on you. You need to pick up your personal phone and dial 1-800-PRAY-THROUGH. 1-800, what does that mean? That means I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm going to the altar and it's me and Jesus. I'm not getting up until I get full of the Holy Ghost again. 1-800-PRAY-THROUGH, extension 238. Some of you need holy 1-800-PRAY-THROUGH, extension 150. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Sometimes you just got to get it for yourself. You see that when children have the chicken pox, you know, we're told the most contagious time is when the infected person is running a fever. When they're the hottest, they're the most infectious. When they're the hottest, that's when you're probably going to catch what they have. If nobody's catching what you've got, that means you ain't hot, brother. You ain't hot, sister. But you let that kid get past the fever stage, they can rub shoulders with other children. But if you're red hot with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be infectious. If you're cold and carnal, you're not going to share the gospel. I'm not saying there won't be opportunities to share the gospel, but you're cold and carnal. You're going to miss those opportunities to share the gospel. But when you get full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to become infectious. The fevered passion of Pentecost will affect and infect everyone who comes in contact with you. You've got to keep the fire burning. Stir up that gift that is within you. Keep the love of Jesus Christ afire and alive in your heart if you're going to reach the lost this began in a fire it will only continue in a fire how do you know that you have the fire well i'm glad you asked proverbs 30 says there are four things which are never satisfied you can be seated i'm almost done <laughs> there are four things which I, I i'm sorry there's no clock and i didn't bring my phone up here there are four things which are never satisfied and no don't bring me a clock i'm good <laughs> it's been four weeks folks <laughs> There are four things which are never satisfied. The grave, there's always going to be people dying. A barren, room, a barren womb, someone that wants to bear child. The earth is not filled with water. The dry earth, it never says enough. It can't get enough water. And the fire that saith not, it is enough. And so in other words, a fire never says enough. It's never satisfied. How do you know get the Holy Ghost fire burning you? Because you have an appetite for the things of God that cannot be quenched. 
When the Holy Ghost fire is burning in you, you don't ever get to the point that says, I'm done. I've got enough. I can a fire never says, I'll back up. But when a fire sees something else that can be burned, it starts reaching. It starts lurching. It's going to scorch and burn everything in its path. A fire will never go out on its own. Something's got to put it out. When you've got the Holy Ghost fire burning in your heart, you're never going to be able to say, I have enough. But you're going to be hungry. You're going to be thirsty. It says, I'll never be satisfied. If you've got the Holy Ghost fire burning in you, uh, you won't be able to stop worshiping when everybody else stops worshiping. If you've got the fire, you won't be satisfied with dead, dry church. You won't be able to get enough of his word. You won't be able to quit telling people how good God's been to you and your family. If you've got the fire, you'll never say, I've got enough. Now, if you're going to catch any disease, you have to be exposed first. And it's, a time, it's time that we expose Louisville to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Let your light show, so shine before men. The woman at the well had her life changed. She became so infectious. She said, come see a man. All she, she didn't give them a Bible study. She just said, "This is a, come see a man that's told me all that I've ever done. He spoke into my life. He ministered to me. He told me that I was for, for, uh, forgiven and to go and sin no more. Come see a man. What she was saying was, is, he's done this for me. Perhaps he'll do it for you. And when they came, they said, look, we came because of what she said. But really, we've come to hear you for ourselves. In other words, we're thankful for what you've done in her life but we want it to be real we want to know we know you've done it for her but can you do it for us come see a man come see a man Peter and John were infectious in our scripture text we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard in other words you can't scare it out of us you can't beat it out of us we, we got it from the top of our head to the sole of our feet can I tell you if you are infectious enough to touch the people that you work with and the people that you go to school with you will make a difference we overcomplicate this soul winning thing Joe Aldrich author of the book called lifestyle evangelism he puts it like this most most people won't tell you, but they simply don't want what most Christians have. They're too kind to tell you. But when you invite them to church, they don't see how God has done anything real in your life. So they're not really interested. But when they see a life that has changed. He said, most people we interviewed, they won't tell you, but they simply don't want what most Christians have. Saints go to work with no smile. No joy, no spirit of overcoming. They'll never share their testimony with what God has done for them. Can I tell you, each and every one of you have a testimony. Each and every one of you have a story to tell. Each and every one of you may not be able to, 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 to take the one God message and split it right down the middle and teach it like David K. Bernard. You might not be able to teach a Bible study as good as your pastor or some other uh, women and men in this church. But God's not asking you to teach that Bible study. God's asking you to be a witness. And when you witness, you're just telling other people what God has done in your life. You don't have to rightly divide the Godhead, but tell them my marriage was failing. But God saved my marriage. I don't think you're hearing me. Don't be intimidated about teaching them into their marvelous light. We'll have somebody else teach it. But you can tell them my family was in shambles. But God stepped in and brought it all back together. They want to know what has God done for you? We've got to be the good news before we share the good news. Lee Strobel in one of his books wrote, those that do not know God are not interested in coming to something that won't impact their lives. A paramedic was asked on a local Dallas TV show, talk show program, what was your most unusual and challenging 911 call? He said, well, recently we got a call from that big church downtown, big white church downtown, 11th and Walnut. We got there, a frantic usher came outside. He, he was very concerned that during their worship service, an elderly man passed out on a pew thought he was having a heart attack and he appeared to be dead. The usher couldn't find a pulse and there was no noticeable breathing. And he said, uh, the talk show host said, so what was so unusual and demanding about this particular call? Well, the paramedic said, when we got in there, we carried out four other guys before we found the one that was actually dead.
I sure hope if somebody passed out in our service that they would have to take five or six of us out of here to find out the one that had truly been. In other words, the world doesn't want dead, dry church. The world doesn't want the same old, same old. And the apostolic message is different from top to bottom. They want what you have. In other words, the unchurched haven't necessarily rejected God. They've rejected, they've rejected dead, dry church. They've rejected a form of religion that hasn't or won't affect their daily lives. Can I remind you, this apostolic message affects people in their daily lives. A pastor wrote about an invitation that he had to go aboard a battleship. There were some accidents, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but this was before um, they had a, a collision with a submarine here several years ago. But they could invite people to go on, on the battleships. And so he, uh, well, I think we had some people in our church that went and done that here in Jacksonville not too long ago. Um, and so he went on this battleship. He said it was amazing how everybody knew exactly what they should have been doing. And, and, and when they were leaving and maneuvering, everybody, there was no wasted hands. Everybody was, everybody was at their station. Everybody was doing what they, they everybody had a purpose. And, and, and all hands were on deck. He said it was something to behold when you see the unity and, and, and how synchronized they were in what they were doing. He said, by contrast, some, some months later, um, me and my wife, we took a three-day three cruise around the islands for for some much needed R&R. &R. He said it was a completely different experience. He said, when I looked on the deck of that battleship, uh, um, I could see that everybody was working. Everybody had found their place. Everybody was busy doing something. Everybody had found their place. He said, but when I looked out on the deck of this cruise ship, there were 400 lazy sun-ripened humans lounging around in pool, around the pool with about 40 other uniform-clad workers scurrying around and waiting on them hand and foot. He said, the battleship, everybody was doing something. But on the cruise ship, there were just a few people that was doing everything for everybody else. Laying around, just taking it easy. He said, I was having a moment of reflection. And he said, if the Lord ever spoke to me, he spoke to me that day. And he said, this is the problem. My church is meant to be a battleship, not a cruise liner. When you look out over the landscape of your church, we shouldn't be in lounge chairs and pina coladas. We shouldn't be playing shuffleboard and spades and letting a few do all the work. We're a battleship, not a cruise liner. If we're to pierce the darkness and rescue lost souls, we cannot be a ship of spectators. Everyone must know why they are on board got to find your place. Let 2019 be the year where you find your place in the kingdom of God. This church is a rescue ship, not a cruise liner. It's a battleship, not a cruise liner. Be seated. I'm almost done. Many people are morally adrift, but they secretly want an anchor. They won't need something that's going to change their life and help make sense of it all. They're not so much concerned with the question of, is Christianity true? Instead, they're more concerned with, does Christianity work and how can I experience it? What they really want to know is this, does it work for you? You're telling me about it, but does it work for you? What has it done for you? How has it changed your life? A woman put, a, put an ad in the local paper. She said, lost 50 pounds. I get my attention. Lost 50 pounds. Selling my old clothes. They're in great condition. Sizes None of your business. <laughs> I had some sizes written down, but in a moment of clarity, I decided to skip over them. <laughs> because we about went to a battleship mode right there, didn't we? <laughs> she was bombarded with so many phone calls. Her phone, well, there's some nice looking clothes. Her phone rang off the hook. The only problem was is nobody wanted to buy the clothes. All they wanted to know is how she lost 50 pounds. Before you try to shove a Bible study down their throat, let them know what God has done for you. Don't try to give them the clothes. Tell them, look what God did for me and he can do it for you. Everybody that called wanted to know about something that changed her life, hoping that that same something could change their lives too. 
Witnessing is not that hard. It's just you telling others what God has done for you. That's it, Brother Perry, that's it. We got people here that'll teach them a Bible study when they come in and get the Holy Ghost and want to know more about it. But nobody has an excuse for not being able to tell other people. This is what God has done for me. Let me tell you what the unchurched, what the lost is looking for. They want to know if Jesus really works in your life. They want to know. They need you to tell them, God saved my marriage. Don't get the cart before the herd, the cart before the hearse. <laughs> Don't get the cart before the horse. They want to know. They want to know. I'll tell you what, somebody came in here battling, and I, I'm going to say a few things. I don't want to say anything to upset anybody. And I, I, believe, I believe we'll be cool with this. But somebody, we've had people in here that God delivered them from drugs. Right? I can ask you to raise your hand. You'd raise your hand and say, God, God delivered me from this and drugs. Let me tell you something. Some of our new people don't know Brother Simpson's story and what the Lord brought him through deliverance. Let me tell you what. You have, a, you have a couple that come in here that's battling addiction and they don't think there's no hope and, and they, they've been to churches and, but they've never got full of the Holy Ghost. They've never jumped in with everything they've got and, and they're wondering. You know, they're, they want to hear us preach. They want to feel what we have. But let me tell you what can help make a difference. Brother Simpson kind of knows it over to them or, or somebody that knew them brought them up. Brother Simpson, would you share your testimony with him? Brother Simpson ain't got to break out one God. He ain't got to break out to, um, into his marvelous. All he's got to say is, let me tell you what, where I was and what I was doing. Look at me now. I'm not much now. God's still working on me. I mean that in the kindest way. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> He's a big dude, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm not much now, but I'm only here by the grace and the mercy of God. But let me tell you what, God can deliver you from addiction. Family and friends may have wrote me off, but let me tell you what God can do. That's your testimony. It ain't complicated. It's not complicated at work. Somebody says, hey, I noticed you, you know, you, 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 you go to church, don't you? I go to church. Uh, but instead of trying to give them the 411 and the, and the rundown, it's 411, I guess that's it. The 411, the, the rundown on what your church, you ought to tell them. So let me tell you what, what God has done for me. When we started going to church, I didn't know if our marriage was going to make it. Uh, but God stepped in. He, he healed wounds and he brought our family. My kids are living for God today. Let me tell you what that person's doing. You've done more good for them than if you'd have tried to explain any doctor to them at that moment uh, what they really wanted to know I've noticed what you're doing does it work for you and will it work for me we've overcomplicated it just tell people what God has done for you let's stand here today I'm closing I'm sorry that was forceful please stand we're getting ready to close I said stand I'm closing I didn't mean that All hands on deck. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> they want to hear, <clears throat> God saved my, mas- my marriage. God <sighs> broke my addictions. He saved my family. He healed my emotions. He gave me hope. He took away the guilt that was suffocating me. Let me, let me ask you something. Why are you living for God? You need to answer that question right now. Why are you living for God? Why did you become a Christian? Ask yourself that right now. Why did you become a Christian? Well, I can tell you right off the bat, I wanted to be saved. I wanted to avoid the hurts and the collateral damage that I saw in other people. I was raised in church since five, so I don't have a testimony. I got a testimony of God's keeping power. I don't have a testimony of God's deliverance. Now, he's delivered me from things throughout my life, but, but I'm a testimony of God's keeping power. Let me tell you, why did you become a Christian? We all came to God for different reasons. We all wanted to be saved, but better yet, Brother Lampkin said it when he said, I am, he's the great I am. I am whatever you need me to be. Some of you came 
to God because you need a relationship reconciler. You needed God to bring some relationships together. Now, He became your Savior, but you came because you needed Him to work in your marriage. Some of you came because you were tired of old addictions. You taken two steps forward and ended up three steps back. And so you came to God. Some of you came because you need your spirit healed. Your emotions healed. We all came for it. Why did you become a Christian? Why did you start living for God? Can you answer that? You've got to be able to answer it. It's a fundamental question. Why did you become a Christian? Brother Griffiths, this is a little bit different. No, I want you to answer. We, you've got to be able to know the answer to that question. Why are you living for God today? And why did you become a Christian? Here's the next question. How has Jesus made a difference in your life? What changed? What are you trying to do, Brother Brother Griffith? I'm trying to get you to understand that this is how easy your testimony is. Why did you become a Christian? And how has your life changed since? If you can come up with the answers to that, you can change lives in 2019. If you can answer those two questions, you can change lives. I became, I came to God because of this, and He changed my life like this. That's it. That's it. That's all you got to share. I came because of this, and look what God has done. If you don't know the answers to those questions, you will never lead somebody to the Lord got to be able to answer those two questions on the way home from church a little girl said mom I've been thinking mom said about what well my teacher said this morning that God is bigger than we are is that true yeah baby that's true well he also said that God lives within us is that true yeah baby that's true yes the girl said well if God is bigger than us and if God lives in us Wouldn't he show through? Wouldn't he show through? So ask you on the onslaught or on the onset of 2019, ask yourself today, does Jesus Jesus show through your life? Does Jesus show through your life? Is he showing through? We're going to open these altars in a minute. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. Don't think for one moment the same Holy Ghost that was here when we were worshiping about 45 minutes ago is not here right now. When the Lord began to move on me about what I was preaching in this service here, I believe some people were going to be delivered. People are going to find fresh hope here today. We're going to get renewed in the Holy Ghost. This place, we're going to, the Holy Ghost is about to be poured out in this place. But I, I, want to, I want to open this altar this morning. Give me some music. I want to open this altar this morning. For those that you need the Holy Ghost to make that difference in your life. The Holy Ghost that I've preached about today. And I'm telling you that God wants to make that difference in your life. He wants to liberate you. He wants to free you. Friends and family may have written you off and may have discounted you. You may There may be a lot of water under the bridge and the enemy wants to keep you from trying today. But I'm telling you that today could be the first day the rest of your life. Church, would you lift your hands? Would you help me pray? Somebody needs to get in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, somebody get in touch with the Holy Ghost right now. We're all going to come down here in just a moment. But church, help me pray. We need the Holy Ghost moving right now. The same way it fell on the day of Pentecost, it's about to fall in this building here.